0: You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. This is your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. I'm going to need some feedback after the show today. I'm trying a new condenser on the mic. Uh, sound better, sound worse, easier, not. just got to let me know uh, so I know whether or not this one's any good and if I should continue using it. I already had some Greensboro fans <laughs> reach out about uh, me shouting them out on the show, so I thought we might do a little bit of fun with numbers at the top of the show. We have uh, some minor Indians news. Uh, we have some big Yankees news, and after that, we'll look at the locked on or locked on. The all-time Indians won't we'll keep moving through that team. Where so far we have Shoeless Joe on right Albert Bell left. Your catcher is uh, Steve O'Neill, and your first baseman is Jim Tomy. If you listen back, you can hear some of the rationales in there for all of those players. Um, I, I've i used two computers, so I'm kind of flipping around. I also did have one question day. Um They asked in today's spring training games and the rule about both teams bringing a certain amount of big leaguers. The White Sox seem to have all minor league guys. I don't know if there's a rule about that distinctly. Um, I want to make sure. Anthony, uh, you have listened to me long enough. At Tony... M-U-O-D. I'm going to put your last name, Anthony. Here we go. Pru- Pruzinski. It's probably easier than, uh, than I want to make it, uh, since I want to make everything hard. I don't directly know if there is a rule about that. Um, I'm going to look at the Indians game today, look at the box score, and talk about that. Uh, currently going on as I record, if I'm being honest. Uh, so the White Sox, it is a very young team. Um, but a lot of the guys... A big gavin sheets fan Se- like seeing him up there but he look like romine has had some time um but yeah no that is a very minor league heavy team i don't know exactly i really like Cade mcclure when he was at louisville as well just to go ahead and throw that out there i i'm assuming there's not because this team is a lot of guys just looking through i mean basabe might have played in the majors by now mendic has, collins cuthbert romine i don't know if adolfo has made it I don't know about either catchers i don't think gonzalez has made it i really liked him when he was at new mexico uh new mexico state i sometimes get this back just in new mexico uh i actually shadow drafted him to the indians that year like to see him up there as well really interesting guy no power but some good tools so sorry don't have an answer for the question so let's get into some of the fun with numbers if you're curious right now uh 95 of our downloads come from the united states then comes the United Kingdom, Australia, Japan, and the Netherlands. So those are our top five. Canada does not crack the top five um, for the last month. Uh, let's I'm going to reset my report and make it for all of 2020 and see if, if they're able to sneak in at that point. Canada doesn't. If you're looking for the entire year, it's United States, Australia, uh, United Kingdom, Japan, and Taiwan. So there you go. Canada, not amongst our top five listeners. When I dig a little bit deeper to, to kind of get that so when we then go down to the state level uh ohio is the most downloads followed by unknown so if you're like me and don't have your location on uh florida north carolina california and nevada so uh vegas representing so then if we further break down like in ohio for instance it is columbus beats cleveland i have more downloads from columbus than cleveland akron three barberton four youngstown five four hundred five downloads uh so, you know, it's again, you know, we, I understand this is not the largest podcast in the world. Uh, so I'm not not have no issues sharing that uh, a lot of places with some ones or some lows. But, you know, I, I just thought it was kind of fun to talk about it, that for whatever reason. Yes, Columbus beats um, Cleveland and Cleveland gets beat by uh, four other cities for the Lockdown Indians podcast. So I want to appreciate all the fans all over so enough with that stuff for today let's um i released a second part of my mock draft i kind of put it on to the back end I it picks uh 30 through 39 that includes the indians competitive balance pick carson montgomery young for the class right hander with some velocity really fits the indians profile i really debated him early on with that first pick but uh just a name to keep in mind for the indians speaking of prep arms it was reported today by zach meisel and i was given the head up by justin latta from uh, ibi that brady aiken is in camp with the indians uh well that's probably not the correct way to put it he is reported to their complex in arizona he's not in camp with the indians uh, he didn't pitch a lot last year spent some time at driveline we know and they're going to give him an opportunity basically after kind of clearing his mind Chris Ansonetti's comment was, I think it's been a really hard path for him, a combination of injuries, and he struggled performance-wise. He put in a lot of effort to try and get back to being able to compete and just hasn't been able to get to that point yet. I think he's hit the point of reassessing his future, going to help him any way we can and supporting him to get back on the field. Uh, you know, he's pitched two-thirds of an inning since in 2018 and 2019 combined. The biggest problem with him, before anyone's like, you know, remember when he was, I mean, I put him top five prospect when the Indians draft him I was kind of shocked by it but I didn't dislike the pick because the year before he was the clear number one on the board and I said it was a Clayton Kershaw starter kit Um, if he came back and was just kind of the guy he was pre his velocity jump when he was a low 90s super athletic kid with really good breaking stuff like that's still a mid-rotation starter maybe more a good number two he hasn't been any of that, unfortunately. The last I heard him in system was, you know, he was struggling to get it up to the high 80s. He was just a different guy. Uh, he never was able to fully come back. And that was the word on the street. I mean, the Indians had three first-rounders. They had the ability to take a massive risk in 2016 with Brady Aiken uh, because the ceiling was so high. They took that risk. And, you know, I'm sorry, it's just the two first-rounders. But still, they had the three picks in the top 60. Um and they took the risk, and, and Brady Aiken to me is a fascinating player. And I think I've talked about this before on the podcast. For a guy who's never even gotten to high A, he's had a huge impact on the game of baseball, and that's because when he was the first overall pick, and they saw that there was something wrong with him, uh, the Astros tried to get more money back. The uh, I'm having a moment there. Sorry, Aiken refused, wanted the initial offer. So he, the Astros. Don't get Aiken. He goes back in the pool. Of the Indians draft him in the next year. The Astros get a compensation pick, which turns into Alex Bregman. They have a pair of picks in the top five. They get Bregman and Plant. That extra money allows them to come back and give Daz Cameron a lot of money at the end of round one. They use Daz Cameron as one of the central pieces to get Verlander. So Aiken not signing directly led to you know Bregman and Verlander in Houston. A uh, good chance that neither of them get there without that. So which then became you know cheating aside central to those teams making it um to a world series and winning it all the i mean the the problem with that that draft with aiken is i mean it's just hard to look at in a lot of regards the only player to make the major sam haggerty was who they traded away to the mets last year to get uh kevin p i recall right that was that was the deal the, the guys who got away, you know, they, they had to make a choice and they really liked Nick Madrigal, but they instead gave the money to Luke Wakamatsu, who was higher on every board at the time. But boy, does that look uh, kind of not so great in retrospect. Uh, you still have high hopes for somebody like uh, uh, Tristan McKenzie, but Juan Hillman hasn't worked out. Mark Matthias was traded out of system. Tyler Krieger is a depth guy. Jonas Wyatt I talked about on the show last night flew his arm out and is out of system nathan Lukes is who they used to get um guyer it's a lot of guys who just didn't work and and you're kind of stuck at this point where you're looking at this team and you're going Kaye tom might be their best bet to recoup value from a draft that i mean at the time was you just won the top five uh shows what we all know so what does akid bring i mean honestly at this point nothing uh, until we see anything otherwise, he's. I wish him well. I hope he invested his money. He should never have to do anything with his life, as he got a seven-figure bonus. Um, and then, hopefully, he also had some insurance that will kick in. That you know he never was able to fully come back from that injury and, and recover what he once was. But other than it being kind of an interesting story, um, he is going to join kind of the Adam Millers of the uh, the Indians minor league uh ghost graveyard of guys of, of what could have been or what we had dreamed on so let's talk about the yankees real quick and the big news of the day louis servino is going to need tommy john surgery uh massive massive blow for the yankees now at the same time as good as louis servino has been when he is healthy he has not been healthy uh He didn't pitch. He pitched 12 innings last year. Uh, You go back to 2017, 2018, those are really those two years where he was just amazing, those back-to-back years. Nearly a six-win pitcher. You're talking about one of the top 20 or so arms, maybe top 15 arms in baseball. Uh, There's no way you you replicate it. I mean, he was projected to be their number two and said he's going to miss another season. Uh, We talked about early on the show when his first announced he had an injury that this is – a concern because the the depth isn't great there. James Paxton isn't going to come back till May, so they're they're down two arms. And you add in Domingo Herman's eighty one game suspension for domestic violence, and they're down three starters uh, right now. And the season hasn't even started. Uh, all that talk about trading J A Happ, that is out the window. They need him. They need a fact that he is a a number five and a number five they can count on. Uh, Mashiro Tanaka is, is more of a mid to back end guy. Uh, he's going to be counted on. It's going to be interesting now, like Jordan Montgomery. I mean, I don't know how much faith anyone has in him at this point or Jonathan Lasagia. Uh, I don't know what they do. There's not much left out there on the market. Montgomery, you know, in 2017 was the year he was effective as a starter for the Yankees. Uh, was nearly a, was a two and a half war player that year. and you know, he did things well enough. 2018, it just we had some injury issues. It, same in 2019. Is he all the way back? and they count on him? I don't know. but when you're looking at stuff, I, I mean, again, um, this is an injury that could benefit the Indians. And it just comes down to, especially as the Indians have all of this pitching depth, if players come out and perform well, there is no way the Yankees aren't adding another starter at the deadline. Even if Paxton comes back, um, J-Hap as the number four is not what they want. That's not what's expected um, for a team that has the aspirations that it has. I mean, that rotation is kind of a disaster. Yes, the lineup is strong. The pen is amazing. But the rotation is a disaster. And for a team that's spent all that it has spent, Um, I don't know. I wouldn't feel super comfortable. (laughs) You're counting on uh, Garrett Cole, who just signed a massive contract. He's going to New York. He's going to be under the pressure of the cheating scandal, under the pressure of the contract, and under the pressure of the New York media market. We'll see how it goes. A lot of players have struggled with that over the years. Uh, Tanaka is 31. He has been a pretty reliable, solid arm Jay Happ will turn 38 this year, so we'll have to see. And then after that, it's throw it at a wall and see what sticks. So things like this, while you never want to see anyone hurt um, as an Indians fan, it it just gave the Indians a little bit more trade value, especially as they're essentially getting a chance to showcase some pitching for a month until Clevenger's ready. So that's, you know, just talk about the big news. It's going to hurt the Yankees. And honestly, at this point, I think the Rays are a better built squad. I'm going to be in the minority on that. Um, but outside of Garrett Cole, and I mean, Garrett Cole is a great get, but he is one player. One player. What, how else have the Yankees improved? I talked about earlier on the show. They have a lot of guys who could, who are, I would expect to regress. Um, some interesting pieces that aren't exactly, you know, that are kind of uh, overperformed. And some very old players, you know, that they're counting on. So, yeah, I, I'm very curious. It's a very odd team. Let's just put it that way. It's a very odd put-together team who desperately could use some help but has an extremely weak minors. And its best trade asset is a 5-9 starter in AAA who likely won't remain a starter, followed by a outfielder who's never been able to uh, land a starting spot with them, even though given multiple opportunities and a player who missed all of last season due to injury who's likely a first baseman long-term. So, yeah, uh, that's the other reason why the Indians make sense is the Yankees aren't going to be able to go out and trade for a Robbie Ray necessarily. Um, it's going to be harder to get such a deal together, but more of the lower-tier guys are where the Yankees are going to have to target if they need some depth. A reliable back-end arm is, is likely where they would go. So, yeah, I think it's just that, that news today was was huge just from the regard that the Yankees are a little bit weaker it also makes them like I said I think it, it to me it, with the Rays being the top team in that division in terms of how they are built their depth their depth is ridiculous um, their minor leagues are top five along with maybe having the most major league talent depth of any team right now uh, they can go and get or do anything they want So the Rays, I think, are the top team. Well, this kind of moves the Yankees back to that wild card discussion, which is, I think, smack dab where the Indians are, honestly. It's like we'll have to look and see the two that make it. But Astros and Athletics, you got to imagine that both are are likely to make it. And then uh, the Rays, and I'm going to pick the Twins at this point. But then you've got kind of the Indians, the White Sox. uh, Are the Rangers improved enough? Do they add enough pitching? the Yankees uh Toronto could be a surprise or a a fun little sleeper squad it's uh it's going to be interesting to watch and it is that thing where you look at the overall the number of teams that are going for it right now where you do wonder at what point would the Indians start to sell off some pieces if they are not within so many games it's it's not like a year ago where we hit June and you know there were the teams that made the playoffs Plus the Indians in that bubble and the Texas Rangers who ended up falling apart and finishing close to 500. It really was not a deep contending squad. I mean, the Central had only, you know, two teams trying. There's a third team that's very much trying. You, you look out at the, uh, the AL East, uh, the Blue Jays weren't a team trying a year ago. They're, they're going to be going for it. The Rangers added a lot. It's, there's a lot more teams going for it. And that's going to make it a lot more difficult for a team like the Indians, and it, especially when you look at even in division, Tigers are significantly better. I don't, I don't think they're going to be good, but that it's hard for them to be worse. So the Cleveland Indians are in this this odd position, which you know we'll continue to look at through uh, the rest of the preseason. We did not get to all-time Indians on today's show just because center field, second base, and third base, along with shortstop, are just—I uh, mean, those are the positions the Indians. Uh, have been the best at over the years, and while it feels like it's been a while since the Indians had a second baseman, and I know people are screaming Kipnis. I mean, Kipnis's peak was what four years in Cleveland, five years. You know, like when was the last time they had just a stalwart who was there for like eight years and manned the position? Uh, when was the last time that happened with anyone? Some might ask, and I would say fair point. But uh, Kipnis to Belliard to Alomar—they've hadn't Bayerga before that. It's an interesting history at second base. We'll get into that some more. Third base is probably second to center field for the Indians overall. Um, High-end performance and players. So that's, you know, another really uh, difficult position to sort, especially because so many guys' evaluations are different based on defensive scores and offensive production. And shortstop is another one where it's, it's kind of fun to go through and look at the guys. Um you know, Lindor has made his mark already, but I think most most fans who really know Indians history could probably predict what all three uh, of those positions or all four of those positions, I should say, are going to look like. Um, I would think outside of maybe, outside of third, one could make a strong guess at the other ones. And then after that, it is the whole issue with pitchers and the whole pitching position and how it's completely evolved and changed if you look at it certain ways you know it's like you would not put any pitcher there who was before 1950 just because how much more starters had to do back then so it's it's moving things around and and i'm obviously not going to take that approach i'll give the the fair warning cooper would make my my indians all-time top five rotation so something to look forward to um as we talk about it's we got a few guys who are who are more recent who will come up, but it's going to be a lot of old timey talk. So uh, get ready for that. Get ready to do some Indians history tomorrow. If there is no other news uh, that breaks, or no other situations, kind of like the the Aiken one, we'll uh, we'll dive into center field. We'll finish off the outfield. Um, probably might just need to make that a show in and of itself as that is probably the best position in the history of the Cleveland Indians. Um, Just going through the history of it, you know, I've talked about someone like Grady Sizemore, who if he doesn't get hurt, he's a Hall of Famer, likely. I I will stand by that. Uh, I don't think he makes top five in the Indian center field list. That's how deep that list is and and speaks to just how good the Indians have been in center field over the years. Um, It's a fun, fun group. A lot of great players, a lot of history, a lot of names you can't forget. So this has been Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. I want to thank all the fans out there, Greensboro in particular. You know, number one, Columbus, we'll we'll give them an added shout-out today for being number one in Ohio, beating Cleveland when it comes to the Cleveland Indians podcast. Cleveland, get on it. Try to get your top spot in your state back. Maybe try to get the top spot overall of any city. Uh, as always, all of you are awesome, fantastic, I love you, and of course, Go Tribe!